All right, everyone, it has been quite the week this past week, and we decided to dedicate this episode to talk about how to deal with stress, what diamond hands means, and why it's important to hodl, as well as shared a couple of stories of loss that we have experienced in the recent past, as well as the not so recent past. So this was um, quite an interesting episode to record because we, we shared some things that we haven't shared in episodes before. So, you know, hopefully you take away from some of our stories and reach out to us again if you have any time, if you want to share something with us or if you just want to talk about your loss with us because of the market that uh, we have experienced in this past week. All right, let's start the episode. The thoughts and opinions expressed by Keegan Francis, Murgakshi Palway, and the guests interviewed on the Go Full Crypto podcast are solely their own. The content discussed are intended to be for informational purposes only. Diamond hands. I've been seeing that a lot on Twitter. What is your interpretation of that? It basically just means hodl. The opposite of diamond hands is to have paper hands. And I think it's to do with the hardness. How hard are your hands? Right? Like paper's not very hard. They're flimsy. And so... If you had hands made out of paper, then you're going to drop your bags, right? But if you've got hands made out of diamonds, then you're going to hodl through <laughs> these horrendous dips that uh, we've just been through. So for all our listeners, I hope that you're psychologically making it through this week uh, because I know that I've uh, had a bit of a rough week along with everyone else. Not easy to take a 50% hit. Except on your, me. I've been fine. Yeah, you've been fine for some reason. <laughs> you uh, you managed to detach yourself from the, the value of our portfolio. and well, Not value, price. Yeah, the price. Over, overall price and yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah, because we still have the same amount of cryptocurrency we had before. Yeah, exactly. We, it's just worth less in Canadian dollar terms or US dollar terms. Yeah. So uh, if you have been on Bitcoin Twitter and on LinkedIn and whatever other platform, there's a lot of memes on diamond hands. And what that Keegan, like he very rightly said, essentially means is that you're going to hodl, which also stands for hold on with dear life. Hold on for dear for life. For dear life. Oh, I get that wrong all the time. Um, all right. So everyone, I hope you're doing well. In this episode, we're going to cover, uh, like we said in the introduction, how to deal with the stresses of loss. Because I wasn't really with Keegan when Keegan experienced the 2017 um, like crash. I remember you calling me when Bitcoin was at 20,000 uh, US dollars. And you're like, oh my gosh, Murga, this is insane. Yada, da, da, da. I had no idea what you were talking about because I actually only entered the industry in 2018. I don't remember that at all. I do. Because I, well, I remember it specifically and very distinctly because as soon as you you hung up on me or not you didn't hang up you hang up on me but once we were done our conversation i called my dad and i was crying and um he my dad tried to get me into um, understanding mutual mutual funds and other sorts of investments when i was much younger when i was a teenager but i never listened to him and i after you told me what you, you were feeling you were essentially freaking out because you just saw you the price of your portfolio rise in a very short period of time 
And I wanted in on that. Like, I wanted to freak out because I had... No, yeah, I guess it is FOMO. It was like the purest form of FOMO I felt without even having any crypto is, oh, I've missed out on all investments because I didn't listen to my dad when he tried to teach me how to make investments when I was a teenager. So I very distinctly remember you calling me in 2017, but you never called me after Bitcoin crashed. You only called me when it was at its all-time high and you were freaking out. Yeah, I think I just felt like reclusing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when Bitcoin crashed, although it's it's extremely humbling. That's that's kind of the feeling that I'm feeling right now. It's like, oh boy, was I ever wrong about the state of the market when it was at between fifty five and sixty k USD? It's like now it went down to thirty two. I I basically thought that was impossible because well, the all time high was sixty five thousand, and a fifty percent drop is actually kind of uncharacteristic. Of, what do you mean by an all-time high was 65,000? Uh, oh, US. Yeah, okay. US. Yeah. I, I was thinking of it in terms of 80 Canadian. Yeah, and for it to go down to 32, that that's more than a 50% drop. That's that's it's pretty crazy actually. All things considered, I I ruled that out as a possibility and that was a grave error of mine actually. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were just so optimistic about the market. And uh, we had so many conversations where I was like, Keegan, you know, just be a little bit cautious with the trades that you're making right now. And you're like, no, Bitcoin's going to continue going up. And then it didn't. <laughs> uh, but that's okay. Lesson learned. Um, so one more thing that we wanted to say to you is if anyone predicts the market for you, call bull shit, shit. on them <laughs> <laughs> i was wondering if you're gonna say it so i just <laughs> that was the first cuss word on goful crypto i actually don't like the word c-u-s-s cuss i find i find bullshit better than the word cuss anyway if anybody if anybody tells you that they can predict what's going to happen with the marketness call bullshit on them because they are full of shit sorry well, you're really tiptoeing around there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so basically what happened was I was listening to all of my favorite analysts and zero of them called every bottom. Uh, they're like, yeah, 50K. I could see 50K being the floor after Elon's first tweet. And then it was a second tweet and it was just the word indeed. And that seemed to trigger a lot of people to sell it down to 46. And I was like, okay, cool, 46. And I thought that was the end because we actually had like a two-day bounce off of 46K. And I was like, okay, we're cool. We're good. Went down to 42. And I was like, okay, this is probably the floor. I texted my other friends. They're like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is it. This is the floor. Because look, this indicator, that indicator, this moving average, that moving average. Bitcoin's never dropped below this in all of its history. It's like, cool, that's some really good... That's not true, though. That's some good analytics. No, drop below it. Like, as far as, like, a moving average, there's, like, a 21-week moving average and then a 200-day moving average. And it's like, yeah, it's never dropped below that during a bull run. And it's like, okay, well, cool. Do you just learn all of those trading terms from your analysts? <laughs> oh, yeah. Because well, yeah. I don't know what a 200-day moving average or a 21-day moving average is. Or oh, you, you, you kind of average the price movements over, like, the every 200-day span. And then it Why forms is that significant? Line because it forms a line <laughs> because it forms a line yeah and then you can basically use that line to rationalize what you think is going to happen wow. but you've got a bias if your bias is that the market's going up then no matter like, what line you draw <laughs> it's, it's going to indicate what you wanted to indicate i do feel like technical analysis has those kind of characteristics i, I love it when people are drawing lines on altcoin charts uh because those things are just 
oh, someone has 20% of the supply and they felt like dumping it that day. And there's no line that you could draw on the chart that will predict that one person's bag drop. Um, anyway. Well, that's just one vertical line. Yeah, so <laughs> returning to Maruga's initial statement of if anyone uh, tells you what's going to happen with the market, uh, just call bullshit on it. That's that's pretty good advice, yeah, including I, yourself, by the way. That's true, yeah, on anybody, because, well, you know, similarly, people texted you and you gave them an answer. People texted me too, and I was like, no idea. And the same people kept texting me when Bitcoin kept dropping and um, there was carnage in the market, and I had the same answer. I said, I have no idea, because I would be... I would be fooling myself if I if I knew because I don't know nobody knows nobody can tell what the market is going to do there are too many variables at play there's too many people involved whose decisions that you can't predict you just can't so uh, if anyone if you're following anybody who's been calling shots and they've been right so far just um stay stay wary of what just you know be careful also, if uh, if you've been following anyone and they were right about this dip, I'd like to know who that is. <laughs> I should probably be following them. Yeah, I don't know. I, I still feel like that's, you know, if it was an octopus, maybe, and they pulled a card out of some weird little tin saying whether the market's going to keep dropping or not. An octopus. Yeah, I think I, I remember my cousins used to love playing us. Uh, like foot, the actual football, not American football, but football, football, the ball, the football that you play with your feet kind of football. Um, uh, there was an octopus that used to pull some sort of card and decide who was going to win the World Cup in Europe. <laughs> I have no clue what you're talking about. Yeah. Th anyway, I, it was like I a real octopus. A real octopus used to pull out a card, and, I, and everyone would just at that point decide that okay, this team is going to win. This country is going to win the World Cup. This is actually our way of informing <laughs> our audience that we're going to start a new cryptocurrency. We're going to have an IPO, an ICO next month for Octopus Coin. It's a game. Uh, and it predicts the, the market. Yeah, there's 100 trillion coins. So uh, it, they're really cheap tokens and you can get rich really quick. Buy them. Yeah, don't listen to I'm us. I'm being really facetious. So, like Sheeb, if you've looked at Sheeb, which is Dogecoin's uh, competitor, that's that's literally their... Like S-H-I-B? S-H-I-B. Oh, as, I thought that was Shibu pronounced Inu. Shib. Shib, Sheeb, whatever. Well, the other day we heard that Ellen Generous interview with... Uh, what's Mark his Cuban. Name? Mark Cuban. And he ca he called it Dogecoin. Dogecoin, yeah. And then Ellen called it Dogecoin. And it was just like, oh my gosh, I... I've never heard this pronunciation. Then we were pulling out of our parking garage and we were listening to CBC Radio, the national oh, radio yeah, that's true. Uh, in, in, Canada. in Canada. And they did a segment on Dogecoin. And what did they call it? Dogecoin. Dogecoin. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, we digress. Let's, yeah, let's get we, back we to the... Yeah, we definitely are digressing. Like the, the meat, the meat of this episode, which is... Uh, oh, I, I definitely want to mention this. Um, I've, I've been seeing a lot of posts and, and tweets... And just people messaging saying, hey, I just poured all my life savings into Bitcoin or into Dogecoin or into Ethereum at the top. Um, and that sucks. That's a really bad uh, feeling to have your savings to be depleted by 50% overnight. And uh, this is actually kind of like a serious, a serious thing. If you need anyone to talk to about the feeling of loss and how to deal with loss, then send us a message because we, uh, well, I mean, yeah, we're, we're veterans at this kind of thing. Uh, even though we've only been in it for like five or six years, the cryptocurrency market has thrown us for enough loops that we kind of know what it's like to, to weather one of those storms. And, 
Well, we weathered one last week. We lost $10,000. That's true. Yeah. Straight up lost $10,000. Yeah. Yeah. Like we still have all of our cryptocurrency, but uh, I had a bet open that Bitcoin wouldn't go below 40K and it just straight up did. So I lost 10000 and that sucks. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's just money. And that was not our life savings. Um, we were still taking uh, what would be considered a, what, what would you call it? Uh, a, not a reasonable risk. I think it was probably greater than reasonable, but something that wouldn't destroy us. Yeah. So it would, we had a reasonable margin of safety yeah with respect to trading with um with a, a leveraged position so you you leveraged part of a bitcoin and it was what 50x or 10x 50x so what we're talking about right now is called derivatives trading and it's where you have a like some amount of money uh, so we weren't trading with ten thousand dollars keegan wasn't trading with ten thousand dollars but he was trading with one thousand. One thousandth. No, okay, one thousand of that. Yeah, one thousand of the ten thousand was used to place a bet. That's right. Saying that Bitcoin was going to go up, and that's essentially called a long in this particular kind of trade. And so, then the rest of the nine thousand was kind of there to cover whatever downside risk. So if Bitcoin drops below where I bought in by a certain amount then uh, I can use that extra 9,000 to kind of like cover my butt, so to speak, and uh, only to a certain point. And that point was 40,000. Yeah, well, it's not really covering your butt if you lose it all at 40 anyway. So essentially it was like, okay, whenever you did place that bet, at whatever price you did place that bet for Bitcoin, um, if it goes a certain amount below that, then you lose that initial 1000 and you also lose the amount of money that you had as a safety net for your own bet, yeah. which was, I think, 9000 more in this case, so 10000 yeah. total. Total. Um, and then like you can get into very sticky situations in, in bets like this because there was a, a time where, um, Keegan, you wanted to put more money into this safety net um, to... <laughs> to perhaps to like stop yourself from getting liquidated <laughs> from this position but right. if you don't know what the bottom is then you can keep pouring money in not knowing how much uh, or when it's going to stop so it's right. a pretty risky position it was very risky and, and luckily you were around to talk me out of of, of doing that because we're reading this book right now and it's called yeah. the psychology of money and one of the chapters that we stumbled across was well, not was moving the goalpost essentially knowing how much you're willing to lose and there's one particular sentence uh, we were talking about this yesterday. Maria, is uh, it's okay? Do you want to be tucking your kid in at night and stressing about whether or not that the trade or that bet made. Yeah. is going to jeopardize the future that you're making for them? Now, Murugashi and I don't have children yet. However, it it still resonated with me because essentially what we're doing is well, we're building our future, which includes children later. So it's still a, a tr I don't have to be tucking my kid at, in at night for that. We intend on having children later. So I don't have to be talking my kid in for that to resonate with me there. Yeah, um, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah, but uh, it was also the fact that you do prioritize time and, and health and to you time is money. So you've written a newsletter where you'd much rather, um, you know, be in a position where you you have you can take care of yourself be in good health and just you know have as much money as you need to support the kind of lifestyle that you want right. but with this particular bet and with the market you were experiencing some pretty sleepless nights yeah exactly so that i was 
totally a hypocrite with respect to that other newsletter that I that I wrote. Well, I don't. I was s- not prioritizing time or health. Well, yeah, sure, but I I don't know. I wouldn't really say that you were a hypocrite. It's more so. It's really hard to stick to the principles and the fundamentals that you have laid out for yourself. Even with respect to that bet, like if you had a rule that I'm only going to put in 10,000, no more than 10,000, and you were at the verge of putting in more, it's really hard when you're facing loss, imminent loss. It's really hard to stop yourself from trying to um, curb that loss um, by whatever means necessary. And if that means putting more money in, not realizing that you're just adding to the amount you can lose later, it's, it's still a very scary position to be in very risky position to be in yeah true yeah so i I wouldn't call you a hypocrite but it's it's you've learned so much we've learned so much from the past week yes we have that (laughs) that it's you know whatever some lessons you learn the hard way some lessons need to hurt to stick you know what i think i actually learned most of my lessons the hard way this has been (laughs) a a thing that i uh i've been through okay here's an example and I hope that none of our listeners have done this, but if you did, especially during this dip, then know that you're not alone. So in 2017, at the end of 2017, when Bitcoin was was dropping, for whatever reason, I had the bright idea to sell my Bitcoin for Bitcoin gold, which <laughs> which was ridiculous because I, I have no idea what compelled me to do it in the moment. Actually, yes, I do. I do know what it was. Uh, what's the opposite of FOMO? FUD. Um, panic selling emotional selling fear uh just okay bitcoin's uh, dropping like a cocktail it, of all of those uh, yes exactly uh just emotional selling like in the moment you're watching bitcoin lose a percentage point literally every second for about five minutes straight and then you're at like a 50 percent loss really quickly like that's the kind of thing that happened at the end of 2017 i bought bitcoin gold so if you like liquidated one thing into another just out of the blue during the dip then uh, you're not alone that's that's kind of common but uh, try not to do that again in the future it's better to have diamond hands and uh, live to fight another day i don't think it's called liquidating because i was looking up the definition of that to prove a point to someone i don't think i said liquidate oh you said uh if you liquidated your bitcoin into another oh okay well if you sold your bitcoin into (laughs) another thing so okay so which is why it's important to have diamond hands but ultimately it is important to hodl and i really want to stress and elaborate on why hodling is so important because i didn't understand what hodling meant or why people were encouraging everybody else to hodl until you know i I think fairly recently i there were lots of dots that um that like i guess gave me reason to understand what that meant but all of the dots connected very recently with respect to hodling and i would love to discuss why it's important to when you have you know converted your government money into bitcoin for example it's important to hodl okay let's discuss that Okay, so Keegan, let me ask you this. You you bought Bitcoin fairly I wouldn't say early, but a couple a couple years ago. In a couple of years, it will be early. Ago. Okay. That I bought it. <laughs> I bought it in 2015. Why did you decide to hodl Bitcoin? Because I was not a trader. Okay. Why else did you decide to hodl Bitcoin? Uh because on my time horizon, my, it was my retirement strategy. So I was experimenting with buying assets and it's the only asset that I trusted at the time. 
Why else did you decide to hodl? Uh, you, you might be getting at something, but I don't, we, we might uh, be here for a little bit if you just want me to guess what you're thinking. No, no, I'm not. I actually just wanted to know if you had any more reasons. So your first reason and most instinctive reason was because you didn't want to trade. Yeah, I thought trading was risky and that I would do a poor job of it and lose all my money. And <laughs> apparently, uh-huh. <laughs> apparently this uh, this is true. Uh, no, okay. I, I've, I've been profitable with trading before, um, but uh, yeah. That's fine. Okay. And then your second reason was because you knew in 2015 that Bitcoin was going to be a retirement strategy. That was that was what I was thinking. Yeah. So I kind of bought the narrative that uh, Bitcoin was going to go on to essentially reshape the global financial system. And I logically got to the conclusion that if that were to happen, then Bitcoin would be much greater than $500. So I bought my first Bitcoin for $500. It'd be much greater than that uh, later on. Yeah. Yeah, that was my yeah. So the retirement strategy, absolutely. And wait, so are you saying that would you you would sell Bitcoin into fiat when you're 80 years old? Wait, when do you plan on retiring? No, okay. So I have a different. So yes, my initial thought was that I would sell Bitcoin eventually back into Canadian dollars because I wasn't thinking of Bitcoin as money then. I was thinking of it as an investment, right? And so I was thinking, okay, cool. Later, when Bitcoin's worth more Canadian dollars, I can sell it into Canadian dollars. But now I'm thinking, okay, if we're on a global standard where Bitcoin is the money, then I can just buy the things I need with and like I can live off of my Bitcoin later. I won't need to sell it into anything. Like it will just be the money I use. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. When I, whenever I see people say HODL, um, that's, that's the narrative that I follow is in oh, so many years. I get like what you're saying. Yeah. In, it's in, conviction. It's conviction that in a couple of years, in a couple of decades, you won't need to sell into fiat. And I, I would say that's, oh gosh, opening a can of worms here. But that's one of the distinguishing factors that makes Bitcoin not similar to the characteristics of a Ponzi scheme, is that you wouldn't sell Bitcoin back to the market. You would just hold Bitcoin and transact in Bitcoin instead of doing anything else with it. That's also one of the things that distinguishes Bitcoin from basically every other cryptocurrency i don't really take seriously the notion that uh, zill for example is going to go on to replace money and be the global standard or ethereum for that matter i, I don't buy that narrative and i i'm sorry i just don't I, so when when i'm talking about hodling and diamond hands i i am really specifically referring to bitcoin uh, and that's for a variety of reasons. I, I don't have as much faith in any other cryptocurrency that they're going to be around in 20 years. I'm going to make a distinction here. I actually don't look at Bitcoin as a cryptocurrency anymore. Right. I, like perhaps in the past year, I have termed Bitcoin as a cryptocurrency. I'm pretty sure I have actually, because it was just recently that I very distinctly started making the distinction that, wow, I used that word too much, um, <laughs> that Bitcoin is Bitcoin. Bitcoin is money. And every other cryptocurrency can be looked at as an investment, but Bitcoin, I personally don't look at it as an investment. I simply look at it as a money that follows a very different monetary policy than our government money. It's just, just it's the complete opposite, really. And it's just a different way of thinking about the, the things. Uh, it, it's a really different way of thinking about your money. But I, I don't look at Bitcoin as an investment. So I guess in that case, I still have to learn more about how to invest because I'm not really invested in any. <laughs> well, I, I guess I have three, three or four, but that's it. Right. Cryptocurrencies, but that's it. 
So this, the path that you wanted to take us down by discussing the reason. Holding. Yeah. I suppose it was so that we could return to the conversation of fundamentals and reminding our audience of like why we're here and what we're doing in the first place, which is actually one of the things that I took solace in in the last couple of days after the crash, after like it was de definitive that that $10,000 was lost. Like, what am I doing? What am I actually here for at the end of the day? And it's it's because Bitcoin can actually realistically, probabilistically reshape the financial world. That's that's what we're here to do. The, the price of today does not reflect the value offering or the value proposition of Bitcoin. Like earlier on in this it's episode, Berga, to, yeah. I said that our portfolio value dropped by half and you're like, no, 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 no. The price of our portfolio, like the dollar worth of our portfolio dropped. The value, since we really, you know, hold the majority of it in, in Bitcoin, hasn't dropped at all. And we still have the same amount of utility and, and you know, Bitcoin as we did before. So it's it's not like I'm just rambling. You want to no, save no, me here? No, me no, not, not at all. That, that is correct. And yes, we do sometimes run the risk of if we're getting paid in Bitcoin, for example, or if we're paying someone in Bitcoin, then how does that work out where you, you pay someone um, in, in Bitcoin on one day and then the next day, the amount that you pay them, because it's still calculated in the respective government currency, right. <laughs> you can run into some conflicts where, hey, you, you paid me this much Bitcoin, but now that Bitcoin has dropped in price overnight. And, you know, what do you do with that? So we have checks and balances in place where we, we do have a contract and we do have things that say, well, you know, this is how we calculate how much we're going to pay you. Bitcoin can go up after we've paid you too, and as well as go down. So it goes both ways. Volatility is still going to exist. And it is your choice whether or not you want to accept payment in Bitcoin. So, true. I would take payment in Bitcoin any day. Yeah. Yeah, you do. I do take Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, let's talk a little bit about how to deal with the stress of loss. And uh, man, I'm going to sound like my mom when I say this. And, uh, well, it's, it's good. Just your, your mom's a wise woman. I know, but except when I listen to her say it, uh, it's always easier said than done. And my mom said, well, she's, you know, so much older than me. So of course she's lived through all of the experiences that has, that has given her this wisdom. But me, I have to go through all of it. Anyway, so how to deal with stresses of losses? Don't stress. <laughs> Just but, don't stress. No, okay. So a little bit, a little elaboration on that is you don't need to stress based on what game you're playing. This is, again, something that we picked up from uh, the book that Keegan mentioned earlier, which is The Psychology of Money. It's by Morgan Hazel, by the way. We recommend that you go get it because this book is really quite um, mind-blowing with respect to um, shedding light on the way that we think about money. Just we, as in mankind, thinks about money person kind people kind people kind things of money uh, humankind humankind whatever I like humankind so one thing that he says is now uh, you have to know what game you're playing in his book and he's talking about how um if you're you would we term investors like they're basketball players but that's not the case because there are short-term investors, there are medium-term investors, and there are long-term investors. Some people are in it for the really long run. So if you bought Bitcoin earlier this year, then this volatility really shouldn't be stressing you out at all because you're in it for the long run anyway. And if that's the case, then, you know, I'm in it for the long run. And that, right. that's one of the reasons why I wasn't feeling any stress 
um, in the past week because for one, I expected the market to go both ways. I'm feeling pretty sour about the the 10k loss, but all things considered, uh, like we bought, we were buying a lot of Bitcoin last last year, for example, um, where Bitcoin was under. 10k usd 20k right. usd so like I, I, I it is important to just revisit um the, the context zoom out uh and and understand where you are uh, just because the last three months of gains has been quote unquote erased it doesn't mean that uh well that those those get, like the future is not set right and so there's still a world of possibility in front of you um, and, and, and Ruga, actually, I, I, I wanted to push back against one of the things that uh, that you were saying, like, don't don't stress, like, we don't actually know the context of some of the situations our listeners might be in. Like, they like, I think there was a lot of irresponsible investment advice given by like, I would listen to lots of YouTube and uh, and podcasts. A lot of the people were saying, yeah, you should totally go mortgage your host, take out as much debt as you can and buy oh, Bitcoin with it. And it's like, that's crazy. Well, yeah, that is crazy. But that's it, specifically the situation that lost me the 10K. But if someone did what I did on a much larger scale, let's just say with their host, for example, they're in a way worse situation than we are. And like, I don't know if we have the ability or the right to tell people, oh, just don't, don't stress. stress. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll take that back. Um, I think more so for me it's it was lack of stress if you're in it for the long game so if you're playing the really long game then it doesn't matter what bitcoin does today doesn't matter what it does a year from now it doesn't matter what it does five years from now if you're in it for 10 years now if you're um you know let's say a medium-term investor which uh let's put your investment strategy in one month or two month or three month periods then if you had a long open for example like Egan did because you had a long open for what two or three months it was like two months yeah yeah so you were you know kind of like a short to medium term yeah. game is what you were playing i was trying like a one to three month game at yeah. the moment yeah that's yeah. the game i was playing so then so you were stressed out because you didn't anticipate or expect the market to do what it did based on the bet that you did make that's right. I didn't expect it to do what it did. And I didn't expect it to do what it did as hard as it did. Right. So I actually did have a plan for if the market went down, all things considered, the long I had open, I kind of thought that I had enough padding. I had, I thought I was balancing my risk accordingly. The thing I did not account for was just how damn hard the market dipped. And, uh, and that taught me a very valuable lesson. It was it was just like, well, just when you think <laughs> that Bitcoin will not do the thing you want it to do, you don't want it to do, it very well could. And in this situation, it did. So that sucks if you had if you were in, you know, a position like Key and was in we know some people who had a long open for like over a million dollars. Two people. So I was talking to a friend, he's like, Yeah, I'm I'm down one point six million today. And my buddy's down 3.5 and that's when bitcoin was at 42k so if it went down to 32 then like they were out a lot more than that yeah it's which like is okay insane. contextualized but okay scale look, too scale exactly those people are probably multi-millionaires and 1.6 million might be a small fraction of their portfolio where is all if all of you have in the world is twenty thousand dollars and it's all in bitcoin and then it drops by 50 percent suddenly all you have in the world is $10,000 worth of Bitcoin. And that can be really, really scary. I've, yeah. I've kind of been there. That's kind of what happened to me in, in 2017. I was on a much larger, a smaller scale. 
And so the absolute value of the numbers I was dealing with was that it had a bigger impact on me um, than, uh, than this particular 50% dip. I feel like an asshole for saying don't stress. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think that that's... Uh, I think we, we cleared it up pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, I mean, it is good good advice because at the end of the day, it's uh, it's just money. And as long as you have a family uh, and like you can go outside and well, I mean, maybe people can't go outside because COVID. But. Yeah, no, but even even if it is just money, if it's it really depends on how much margin of error you had left for you to have a risky trade like that. So if it right. was you know, like Keegan was saying, if you mortgage your house for it and that was it when Bitcoin was that between 50 and 70, no, 65 US dollars, 50 and 65,000 US dollars, <laughs> then that's a pretty sticky situation. And that, I, that that amount of stress is unimaginable. Yeah. But rough seas make skillful sailors. They and do. tough times don't last, tough people do. So hopefully you will figure it out, figure it out. The last kind of game that as you as an investor can play is day trading. And depending on the kind of position you were in, this kind of volatility can actually be super great for a yeah, day trader, I, I would say. So I want to tell a fun little story about day trading. And this was when uh, when Ethereum was first taking off. And I wanted to, I want to day trade Ethereum because it seemed to be doing well on a day-to-day -day basis. So I bought uh, 20 Ethereum at $2 a piece. So it was forty dollars worth of Ethereum in total, and then Ethereum rose by ten percent. It was two dollars and twenty cents. So I sold it. I sold it for a four dollar profit. <laughs> and uh, four dollar profit. A four dollar profit. And I was like, yes, there might be something to this. I might be really good at this um, because I I nailed that ten ten percent profit on my Ethereum that day. And lo and behold, if I had have just known that I was not playing the day trading game, but instead, if I knew I was playing the long-term trader game, that 20 Ethereum would be worth $80,000 today. <laughs> instead, my $40 would have turned into 80,000 rather than my $40 turning into 44. So that's, that's a, really, a good example of knowing what game you're playing. And, uh, or deciding at least what game you want to be playing, whether it's day trading, um, a or you know being a medium-term investor or a long-term investor yeah true. wow well you do you do you have said that if you did keep the dogecoin that you mined you would be a millionaire true story yeah mm. not too worried about it <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't matter yeah all right well that's kind of all we wanted to cover today folks um how to deal with stress um what does diamond hands mean and why holding is important and we threw a couple of things that we learned from Morgan Housel in there from the books, The Psychology of Money, which we highly recommend you get because it is teaching us so much. And we'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put the link to it in the show notes as well. And like Egan said earlier in the episode, if you want to talk about perhaps something that you're going through with respect to the market that crashed just, you know, in the past week, reach out to us. Please. We would... We would graciously <laughs> love to love to talk to you and i empathize I yeah yeah all right well take care everyone and uh stay tuned talk to you next time